Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for um, bringing us all together, getting us all here safely. I pray that you'd be with everybody who is not here. Um, watch over us. And thank you for this opportunity to get together and worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, all right, so uh, Dan asked me to do uh, some Sunday school uh, this month and next month. So um, I'm picking up a little bit of where kind of we left off last year when I did some of these. We talked about the context, the sort of historic context for the Old Testament, uh, kind of some of the, the King's era um, and some things like that. <clears throat> and I thought this year we would move into the New Testament, um, especially with, with kind of the church calendar flipping over. So we had Advent, you know, Christmas, Epiphany, and we're kind of going to walk through Jesus' life and ministry, and then Pentecost, and so I, I thought, all right, well, let's, why don't we do some of the background to that story? Um, that's uh, something that I'm interested in, and Dan said I could do something that I'm interested in, so uh, that's why I did it. Um, <clears throat> so anyways, um, we'll talk about um, uh, a little bit of the first week today, we'll kind of just talk about the last sort of political context leading up to Jesus' birth. So what was going on in the world? What, where We left off with um, a lot of last year was looking at Daniel and his prophecies of the kingdoms that were coming, right? His statue of the gold you know, head and gold, silver, bronze. And so we kind of looked at those kingdoms, and the last you know, thing to happen is the rock that comes and crushes the statue, and that's the church. And so it's really kind of, we're looking at the end of those, those, uh, those kingdoms that lead up to the, the church or Christendom. So, <clears throat> anyways, we'll review a couple dates because I like to review dates. And we'll get the key ones down here that everybody should know in order to pass the quiz. Um, and then we'll start. So this will kind of take us up to... Uh, where we left off, we'll, we'll briefly go over all the things we talked about last last year, and then we'll pick up. I think we kind of ended right about here last year <clears throat> with this event, which do a quick quiz. Um, so I always put up for a thousand. I like David. He reigned forty years, but it was all right around a thousand. So it's a nice little key date <clears throat> if you're trying to like anchor stuff. A thousand is a good one. And then we're going to go through some of the kingdoms that uh, were on Nebuchadnezzar's statue. Um, uh, so 720 predates the statue, but that's when the kingdom of Assyria conquers the northern tribes. <clears throat> Does anybody know the next nation? Yes. Babylon. In 605, Babylon conquers Assyria, and that's when Daniel and the first wave of uh, uh, people go into Bab the Babylonian captivity, although it went over a long, uh, a, a while. Uh, then they were, uh, Jeremiah and different prophets said, hey, you know, go live in Babylon, uh, you know, live in peace with your captors. Um, that didn't happen. There was a bunch of rebellions, and that culminated in 586. Anybody know what happened in 586? Fall of Jerusalem. What's that? Fall of Jerusalem. Fall of Jerusalem. <clears throat> yeah. So that's a big date just for um, our history. Fall of Jerusalem. 
And that, again, was after being under Babylonian control for 20 years. Kings were with rebel. I think it was Zedekiah that finally, you know, was the last one to rebel. Nebuchadnezzar came in and destroyed Jerusalem. And that's when the temple is destroyed, which is kind of the key piece. The first temple, Solomon's temple, which if David's in a thousand, Solomon's right after him. That's when, you know, it lasted 400 years, and that's when it, it falls. Uh, after Babylon... We get who? Persia. Persia. Good. We get Persia and Cyrus the Great in particular, who comes, conquers Babylon, and starts the return to Israel. Um, but you, if you then, so then that takes us to the books of like Ezra, Nehemiah, um, and that's all about rebuilding of Jerusalem, rebuilding of the temple. And in 516, we have the dedication of the second temple. So that's another key date, 516. And you'll notice fall of Jerusalem, second temple, 70 years. Um, all right, so then you have Persia. Persia rules for a couple hundred years. And in 331, Persia is finally conquered by whom? The Greeks under... Alexander the Great. <clears throat> um, and so these are kind of all the stories, a lot of the stories in Daniel walk us through this history, take us down to Alexander the Great. The next uh, country or kingdom we have is Rome. Um, but between Rome, we have uh, one dynasty that we're going to talk about that rules uh, in Israel. And that's the, um, the Hasmonean or the Maccabean dynasty. And because it's, in, it's kind of part of the intertestamental period, I feel like a lot of times we don't talk about it very much. Um, but it is, pretty, it is pretty important. So the first kind of a key date that, that we'll use is 168. And that's basically the start of the, Maccabee, the Maccabean Revolution. So we'll say the Maccabees. Um, and that's going to kind of take us down to, that's, I would say, the immediate context for, for um, when, you know, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, they all come into the picture. This is the immediate, this is what people are thinking. So we're going to talk about that. And then the other thing that this era, this era um, kind of creates is the political parties in Israel at the time of Jesus' birth. So you have things like Pharisees, Sadducees. Um, zealots, you know, scribes, Essenes, there's these different <coughs> groups. We're going to talk about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, though, because they are kind of the two, they're the two, the Pharisees, I think I spelled that right, and the Sadducees. We're going to talk about them <coughs> um, and how they play into, you know, what is going on, because Jesus has a lot of interactions with them. All right. And I'll try and stay on time. <clears throat> Let's see, 902. All right, so the first thing is, um, uh, before we talk Maccabees, does anybody remember what Alexander the Great's project was after he conquered the whole world? Remember what it was called as he spread Greek culture? Hellenization. Yeah, Hellenization. So he had this big, this grand idea. He was thoroughly convinced that Greek thought, Greek culture was supreme, the best thing the world had ever seen. 
And so when he conquered the whole known world, uh, he spread Greek culture everywhere. So that meant architecture, philosophy, religion, literature, language, military, everything he spread across the whole world. Um, and that's important to know because when that was spreading in Israel, you had two types of reactions to it. Some would say this is not, this does not work with Judaism. This is, you know, uh, we can't follow the Greek culture and also stay true to our laws. And then you had, you know, the Hellenizers who would say, no, it's okay, we can have both. <clears throat> and that's part of the, that's part of what starts our two groups here, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. A lot, yes, yeah, a lot of uh, statues, uh, they did, they built lots of buildings, so they built, you know, amphitheaters and gymnasiums and things like that, so a lot of that came in that same time. Right, yeah, yep, so there was a lot of conflict there, can we go to the gym, the gymnasium, and also still be true um, to the Judaism? Yeah. Right, right. Um, all right, so that'll be our next date. But So we'll start with um, the Maccabean Revolution. Um, I'll read a little bit out of the Maccabees. Most people haven't read the Maccabees. We won't read all of it, but just the story that kind of kicks off this period. Um, <clears throat> this is from the Maccabees, Book 1, Chapter 2. In those days, Mattathias, son of John, son of Simeon, a priest of the family of Joarib moved from Jerusalem and settled in Modin. So that's out in the suburbs near Jerusalem. He had five sons, John, Simon, Judas called Maccabeus. That's where the Maccabee name comes from. And Maccabeus means the hammer. Eleazar and Jonathan. He saw the blasphemies being committed in Judah and Jerusalem. <clears throat> and those would be, that's the Hellenization. So the king, the king, the great king at that time was forcing everybody to Hellenize. So no observing the Sabbath, no worshiping in the temple. He set up a, uh, uh, a statue to Zeus in the temple. They were sacrificing pigs in the temple. Um, so he was like forcing Hellenization everywhere and making Judaism, uh, he basically outlawed Judaism. And, Maccab and uh, Mattathias, the, the, the patriarch here, says, um, alas, why was I born to see this, the ruin of my people, the ruin of the holy city, and to live there when it was given over to the enemy, the sanctuary given over to aliens. Her temple has become like a person without honor. Her glorious vessels have been carried into exile. Her infants have been killed in the streets. Her used by the sword of the foe. So if they found uh, a baby that had been circumcised, they would kill the baby and the mother. Um, uh, so that's what he's talking about there. What nation has not inherited her palaces and not seized her spoils? All her adornment has been taken away, no longer free. She has become a slave. And see, our holy place, our beauty, and our glory have been laid waste. The Gentiles have profaned them. Why should we live any longer? Then Mattathias and his sons tore their clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned greatly. All right, so it started in Jerusalem. Uh, the king came in, and then he started spreading out to the rest of the area. Yeah. Which king? This is... Antiochus Epiphanes, the, um, the Seleucid king. Yeah, so he's pretty famous, um, uh, kind of extra-biblical character. But yeah, his name is Antiochus Epiphanes. 
And he's the, remember when Alexander's kingdom broke up, it broke up into four pieces. One piece was the Seleucids, and they controlled Israel for a while. One piece was the Ptolemies in Egypt. They controlled Jerusalem for a while. This is the part where Antiochus is the king in Jerusalem, or in, in that area. Um, <clears throat> all right, so then it says, the king's officers who were enforcing the apostasy came to the town of Modin to make them offer sacrifice. Many from Israel came to them, and Mattathias and his sons were assembled. Then the king's officers spoke to Mattathias as follows, You are a leader, honored and great in this town, and supported by sons and brothers. Now be the first to come and do what the king commands, as all the Gentiles and the people of Judah and those that are left in Jerusalem have done. Then you and your sons will be numbered among the friends of the king. But Mattathias answered and said in a loud voice, Even if all the nations that live under the rule of the king obey him and have chosen to obey his commandments, every one of them abandoning <clears throat> the religion of their ancestors, I and my sons and my brothers will continue to live by the covenant of our ancestors. Far be it from us to desert the law and the ordinances. We will not obey the king's words by turning aside from our religion to the right hand or to the left. When he had finished speaking these words, a Jew came forward in the sight of all to offer sacrifice on the altar in Modin. So that's what they would have. They'd set up an altar, and they just asked people to come sacrifice on it. <clears throat> so this Jew came up according to the king's command. When Mattathias saw it, he burned with zeal, and his heart was stirred. He gave vent to righteous anger. He ran and killed him on the altar. At the same time, he killed the king's officer, who was forcing them to sacrifice, and he tore down the altar. Thus he burned with zeal for the law, just as Phineas did against Zimri, son of Salu. Then Mattathias cried out in the town with a loud voice, saying, Let everyone who is zealous for the law and supports the covenant come out with me. Then he and his sons fled to the hills and left all they had in the town. <clears throat> so you can see there the call to be zealous for the law. That is, again, the conflict here. The zealous for the law versus the Hellenizing um, and that's what distinguishes the Pharisees and Sadducees. So we would put him in the Pharisees group. The Pharisees were anti-Hellenization. Sadducees were pro-Hellenization. Uh, they fought uh, kind of a guerrilla war. They fought for a long time. And eventually, in 142, uh, they were able to accomplish Jewish independence. So, independence. A-N-D... Independence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Independence>. <laughs> <laughs> can't talk and spell. <clears throat> so 142, the Maccabees uh, or Hasmoneans become kings in Israel. And it's ever, I guess, we go back to like 605 or so, is the last time there was Jewish independence in Israel. So you had a long era there. <clears throat> so that's 142. That lasts, we're not going to go all the way through this, to 63, when Rome conquers um, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Okay. Jerusalem. So that's when Rome comes in and conquers Jerusalem. So you have 100 years or so where there's this Jewish independence. Um, and let's see. So for Pharisees... So Sadducees will say Hellenization, yes, check. They're going to say no to Hellenization. A couple other things. The Pharisees 
believed that there was an oral tradition or an oral law that came down from Moses. So Moses was given the law, but then he also taught or told how to interpret the law. So the Pharisees believed that there was an oral law in addition to the written law. The, the, the first five books that Moses wrote, um, the Sadducees believed only in the, we'll say only in, ooh, only in the written law, primarily just the five, first five books of the Bible. So they are going to be more conservative in that manner. They're very strict to the written five books of the Bible, first five books of the Bible. Uh, because of that, <clears throat> there's not a lot in the first five books about uh, the spiritual realm, afterlife, or the resurrection. So they say no to all those things, but the Pharisees believe in the resurrection, resurrection, and afterlife, afterlife. So no to those things. Uh, they say no to those things. Um, the Pharisees would have been more uh, associated with the blue-collar Jew or the working class. So that's who they would associate with or come out of. Blue-collar. And then this would be uh, elites, the elites or the aristocracy, aristocracy, or the priests. The priestly class would come from the Sadducees. So those were all the wealthy and that also would be the ones that are Judaizing, so they're friendly with the kings that are from out of town. Um, this, the uh, Sadducees also believed all authority came from the temple, the temple sacrificial system, which they ran. They were the priestly class. So all authority kind of came and was derived from people needing to come to the temple and worship and sacrifice at the temple, where the Pharisees taught in the synagogues all around Israel, <clears throat> and that's what they taught. They taught the word. If you couldn't make it to Jerusalem to offer sacrifice, that's okay, because you can study the word, and you can kind of read about the, the, the temple and the sacrificial system and things like that, and that's fine. So those are a couple distinguishing things. <clears throat> was Gamaliel a Pharisee? Yes, I believe he was. Yep. Yes, he was. <coughs> Paul says he is there's a few famous ones. Who else? A couple. Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Yep. He's a Pharisee. Uh, oh. So, yeah. Yes. Like, um, you just said Sadducees are part of the priestly class. Like, yes. Would Zechariah? Um, he would have been a probably a Sadducee. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if we know. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think he would have been. Okay. The, the priestly, there, there's a difference between the Levitical priests and the high priests. One of, and, and you may be getting to this, I don't know, but one of the, the, the problems here following the Maccabees is that God in Ezekiel sets out the, who the priestly, the high priestly family is supposed to come from, what clan during the period of the Maccabees. Um, they do away with that family, and by virtue of buying in, Mm -hmm. um, the the new family, so Caiaphas and all those guys are coming from the the clan that paid their way in to the high priestly. So the think about it this way: that you have the high priests <coughs> who are running the authority structure, but there are 
uh, what you would say Pharisaical or, or Pharisees who <coughs> who are of the clan to have to come and serve, and so um, there, there's so much to do um, that it, it requires the rotations of families in, not necessarily the, the class. Yeah, right. So there is a distinction. Um, and think to Pharisee and Sadducee is kind of a political affiliation too. So it's it's like it's a party to a certain degree. You can join or not join, or you're sort of your families. You know, you kind of just like today. You know, you sort of passed on to to uh, from family to family a little bit, but it's not necessarily um, like an official title or something. So then you have yeah the official ruler rulers who are either by their positions or things like that. But a lot of the wealthy elites that are in the, in the circle running the temple are going to be Sadducees, and they're going to be Hellenizers often, um, and that's kind of what sort of distinguishes those two political parties is primarily what we, t- we are talked about. John the Baptist's father <clears throat> was a Pharisee. Okay. Is that right? I don't know. Yeah, that's Zechariah. Yeah, it doesn't say, so yeah, that's hard to say. It is not clear, Um, but he would have definitely been, he would have been around them if he was working in the temple. He would have been around them. Jesus was related to the Pharisees. Yeah, I mean, he was probably related to both, both, there were probably people in those parties, yeah, related to him um, both ways, but I don't know, yeah, I would, I'm not sure. that is something I could dig into more, and I think we might talk more about, yeah, the, 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 how the high priest, the line of the high priest changes, because you are supposed to come out of the family of Aaron, but then at, what, at some point they start. The king we talked about, Antiochus, those guys, they get short on money, and they start, they start auctioning off the, uh, that, that um, position. Um, so one thing we'll look at uh, is let's look at a couple of passages where Jesus interacts with these parties, and so we can look at how some of these things might come up. Um, so I want to look at Mark 7. If somebody could read Mark 7, um, we will read uh, one interaction with the Pharisees. So let's do Mark 7, 1 to 8. Somebody read Mark 7, 1 to 8. <clears throat> yeah. Mark 7, 1 to 8. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is, is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. You leave the commandments of God and hold to the tradition. Good. All right, so there should be a couple things that stand out there. Um, what are a couple things that you see there that we put on our list? The tradition. The tradition. The, like the oral law. Yeah, the oral law. So they came up with these laws, and, and they're called man-made, right? Doctrines 
you teach us doctrines, commandments of men. Um, and so there's, there's um, a, lot, a lot going on there, but we'll actually jump back to Exodus to see maybe where some of this started. Um, if you go back to Exodus 30, 17 to 21, I can read it. Um, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. Uh, place it between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it. Aaron and his sons, Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they wash with water so that they will not die. <clears throat> also, when they approach the altar to minister by presenting a food offering to the Lord, they shall wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants for the generations to come. So that's in the, that's in the you know, first five books of the Bible. That's something the Sadducees would be good with. Um, then the Pharisees, one of the tenets for the Pharisees was, again, kind of sort of decentralizing power away from the temple was this thing where they wanted to bring sort of the priestly piety to the common person. So they, they believe that kind of everybody could sort of participate in this, piet, this piousness, this piety that the priests were participating in. So that's one of the things going on. So they taught, well, everybody should do this. Like every, they were so worried about you know, defiling food or defiling these things, right? They taught, well, everybody should wash all the time, and they, they made all these ceremonial you know, traditions that were supposed to make you uh, pure. You know? So these purity laws that they kind of stacked on top of each other and then made them law. So you were sinning right? if you didn't, if you didn't do these. Um, and that's kind of what's going on here. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. So Jesus teaches then later, right? No, the cleanliness, defiling something doesn't come from what you touch or the outside. It comes from your heart. Um, and that's obviously what's going on here. So those are a couple big things that the Pharisees are doing. Um, so you can think of them, again, as being not centered around the temple. They're bringing a lot of this to the synagogues out in the country. And they're teaching this piety that really was only for the high priest, potentially, but they're teaching this is something we should all do. And they're doing it themselves. They're, they are, you, you know, you hear about how they had the, the phylacteries and they had their, uh, all the different sort of traditions and what they wear um, and things like that. And that's, again, them taking that Mosaic law and applying it um, and then expanding on it. <clears throat> um, any other thoughts on that passage? Before we look at an uh, interaction with the Sadducees. Um, all right, so that's one. That's a pretty famous one. Um, let's look at an interaction with the Sadducees then and see if we can, uh, let's see if we can get some more out of that. Um, all right, so let's look at Matthew 22, 23 to 33. And can somebody read that? <clears throat> Matthew 22. 23 to 33. Okay. <clears throat> the same day, Sadducees came to him to say that there is no resurrection, and they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So too the second and third, down to the seventh. After them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all have her. But Jesus answered them, 
You are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. Okay. <clears throat> Good. Any um, thoughts on that one? Any connections to these things? says you n- you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God um, in um, so in the first five books right we talked about there's not a lot of talk about the resurrection or the afterlife so that's one of the reasons they skip it but then he quotes I'm the God of Abraham God of Isaac God of Jacob where does that quote come from Exodus. yeah Exodus so the burning bush I think right so that's so first he quotes their part of the Bible that they should know, <clears throat> and that's where he says you don't know the scriptures, even the five that you focus on, right? Um, then what else? So he obviously talks about the resurrection. They don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in the afterlife. Um, so when they ask that question, right? In the resurrection, therefore, obviously they're being sarcastic. They don't believe in that. In the resurrection, therefore. So they're saying, look, there's this law, and it doesn't seem to work with the resurrection. How do you, how do you, um, how do you work both of those out? <clears throat> um, the other thing would be, uh, he says, um, uh, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. That would be another thing that they would not believe, right? They would not believe, they don't believe in angels, they don't believe in heaven. So that's another thing he's sort of, um, bringing up um, that would kind of that would definitely stump them and they would just they wouldn't have an answer for so there's a few things there that he points out that they would not um, yeah that they would just kind of confuse them and then also answers their objection so the resurrection part and then the knowing the scriptures which I think is big they were very narrow in their view of, of the Bible um, you say they didn't have faith because it says Abraham believed Right. So would it show, you know, that say that if Jesus came from the Pharisees, they seem like they had more faith than they said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yep, that is, um, <clears throat> that's definitely, um, I think, some of the points that he's bringing up as well. Um, okay, so um, any questions about that part, the Sadducees uh, and that passage? I think it gives a little bit, it should help a little bit when you see these interactions just to know some of the differences um, and what Jesus is coming into. One thing I noticed um, kind of looking over this was most of his interactions are with the Pharisees. There's very few where the Sadducees are, he kind of debates with them or interacts with them. This is maybe the one that I brought with maybe the main one, but there's a lot with the Pharisees. Um, And part of that is that they are the ones teaching the law out in the synagogues all throughout the land. So again, he's, he's, when he's in Galilee, when he's all around outside of Jerusalem, he's going to be running into them much more often um, than, than um, the Sadducees. And they're also the ones that are preaching um, you know, to all the people. 
Um, also, if you were a Jew at that time, the Pharisees were the good guys and the Sadducees were the bad guys. So the, the Sadducees were, again, the elites, the aristocracy, the ruling class that was getting buddy-buddy with the Greek kings and the Roman kings to kind of keep their positions of power, where the Pharisees would be the pious, you know, kind of the pious, peaceful, monastic sort of group. Uh, maybe not peaceful, but <clears throat> at least the pious group that you looked up to and wanted to be like and were being taught by. And they also, when the temple was destroyed, spoiler alert, uh, the, net, the second temple, right, the, the group of the Sadducees or the, Sadduc the Sadducees kind of uh, went away completely because all their power, all their authority came from the temple and they're no longer a political party after when the temple's destroyed. The Pharisees, though, they stay around and become the rabbinic tradition that we have today, I guess. Um, so they stick around and, and continue on. Yeah, Dan. Although I think it's important to note that um, the beliefs of the Sadducees, um, particularly as it relates to um, you know, the resurrection, the, the, uh, all that, if you really find that in the Reformed Jews of today, that's your, most of your synagogues around here, um, that, you know, they're, they're, a lot of them, I guess I should carefully say most, because we have a large population here, but many of them around here are Reformed, which means it's it's more a cultural history and a, a, uh, a nice ethic, but not necessarily tied to um, a relationship to God and eternity. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that um, has, has come, come into that same, that same vein. And that's different from those who, um, you know, where you grew up in Fort Washington and Baltimore, and there's, you know, they're, 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 that, that, I would say that group is more in the, in the vein of the Pharisees. Okay, okay, that makes sense. There is a distinction between Orthodox Jews <coughs> and Reformed Jews. Yes, a big one. Yeah, Pikesville has a big Orthodox. Right. And so that Orthodox, that would look more like um, the Pharisees, the, and, and then the Reformed um, is going to look much more like your Sadducees. Yeah, but Pikeville, Pikeville is divided. A little bit. You have yeah. the modern houses, one or two kids, barely can tell, and then you have the drive a Toyota Sienna or a Ford Transit, have a bunch of kids, small house, added on, added on, added on. Mm -hmm. Dress, yeah. Hmm. There's a big divide in Pikeville. Um, all right, we'll. Um, so the reformed are the more liberal. Is that what yes. You're saying? Huh? Yes. 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 Reformed are the more liberal, and more, and probably not likely to receive the Lord as Jesus. More woke. I don't know. That's tough to say. Question. <laughs> all right we are pretty much out of time um i'll wrap it up with a quick passage out of acts so again we're going to fast forward this is paul in front of the sanhedrin uh, the sanhedrin are 70 jewish um rulers or leaders that come together and are kind of their supreme court it's made up of both sadducees and pharisees um, uh, so a mix of both and uh, this is a, a quick interaction we'll read <clears throat> so Acts 23 
uh, and looking intently at the council, the Sanhedrin, both Pharisees and Sadducees, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest, Ananias, commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck. Those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I do not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it was written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply. We find nothing wrong in this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bringing him into the barracks. So just to wrap it up, that's, that's obviously forwards a little ways. Paul knew the difference. Paul throws this, this mention of the resurrection out there, which creates this disturbance and kind of ends the, the, uh, the conflict that he was getting into. Um, the, uh, so interesting to note again, that just kind of brings these, both of these things up. The, how they were both, kind of both groups were ruling together, and that was a main, a main difference between the two. Um, any thoughts on that before we wrap up? We're a couple minutes over. All right, I'll pray, and then we will head out. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for preparing us to um, dive into the worship service later. Thank you for the opportunity to study these things and for revealing yourself to us. Uh, in the word and in the world around us. Uh, we pray that you would bless Dan and his preaching today. And um, we pray this all in your son's name. Amen.